0: together what we confess in Lord's day 34 we dealt with that the last time but then we dealt with the introduction to the Ten Commandments and the Ten Commandments themselves and so now we will read question and answer 94 and 95 and deal with that this afternoon. And so we find God's words summarized as follows in question and answer 94 and 95. What does the Lord require in the first commandment? That for the sake of my very salvation, I avoid and flee all idolatry, witchcraft, superstition, and prayer to saints uh, or to other creatures. Further, that I rightly come to know the only true God, trust in him alone, submit to him with all humility and patience, expect all good from him only, and love, fear, and honor him with all my heart. In short, that I forsake all creatures rather than do the least thing against his will. What is idolatry? Idolatry is having or inventing something in which to put our trust, instead of or in addition to the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. after the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 37, stances 3 and 5, rest in the Lord with patient expectation, and about the humble who will possess the land forever, that God looks down on us, and that we must worship him. Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a few months ago I received a note in my church mailbox from a young member in the congregation asking about black magic. I don't know if that person is here in the pews, because he or she didn't sign it, just signed it curious. He or she wanted to know about the world of ghosts. The member even seemed to be of the opinion that God uses black magic himself to his own advantage, which he did at Endor, for example, with Samuel. You're all familiar with that story, I have no doubt. And so he asked whether or not this is still done today. And he asked, is black magic from Satan? And the person also asked, can we use Ouija boards? and seances. It's appropriate that we deal with this as we consider the first commandments. There he tells us that he wants us to serve him alone. If you know what that means, then you also know what God thinks about black magic and the like. As we heard the last time when we dealt with this Lord's Day, we have to understand this first commandment within the context of the preamble to the ten words of the covenant. He says to them in that preamble, I am the Lord your God and you are my people and that is the way it is. In my great mercy I have chosen you and you belong to me. And then the Lord God begins the ten words of the covenant by saying, you shall have no other gods before me. I chose you and so you must also choose me. He wants us to make the right choice. He does not want us to serve him in the wrong way. And that's what I will preach to you about this afternoon. The theme is as follows. In the first commandment, the Lord teaches us whom we must serve. And then we will see that we must, in the first place, know who he is. In the second place, choose him alone. Before we deal with black magic and the like, we first have to know who God is. He teaches us that in the first commandment. God, so the Bible tells us, reveals himself as the only true God. We can know him from the pages of the Bible. We can also know him from creation. But he most fully reveals himself in his word. And so we first know him from the creation account. He spoke and it came to be. He is the almighty creator who put everything into motion. He created the earth, the seas, the animals, the angels. He also created you and me. And he has all the power. But he also gave a certain amount of power to his creatures. It is a derived power. In the first place, he gave them the ability to choose or to serve him or not to serve him. God gave that ability to the angels and to man. He gave them the ability to serve him out of their own free will. Some of the angels were unwilling to do that. And Satan was their leader. And so we do believe in the world of spirits. Angels from God are spirits. And so are the angels that belong to Satan. They are all spirits. And therefore, there are good spirits and there are evil spirits. The words spirit and ghost are interchangeable. That is why we can also speak about the Holy Ghost. However, the word ghost is an archaic word. You won't find that in modern translations anymore. Nowadays, we use the word spirit instead, instead of ghost. And now we speak about the Holy Spirit rather than the Holy Ghost. He also gave man the ability to choose. You can either choose to be on the side of Satan, the devil, or you can be on the side of God. And that's what happened in paradise. Adam chose the side of Satan. It is only because of God's grace that man is still able to serve him. But now the problem is that fallen man no longer recognizes God as the one who has all the power, as the one who directs all things. And now instead of worshiping God, man worships the forces of nature. He also worships evil forces. That is what Baal worship was all about, for example. The heathen nations worshipped him even though he was a figment of their imagination. And therefore he was a dead god. They worshipped Baal only because they thought that he was the god of fertility. To them he was the god of the rain and of the thunder and of the fruitful ground. When there was no rain and the sun beat down on the crop, then they thought that Baal was dying. And as soon as the rain came again in the fall, then Baal was alive again. He had risen from the dead. You see, the heathens worshipped the powers of nature, which God, the creator of heaven and earth, had put, there in the, in the, in, had put there in the first place. And they saw nature all around them, but instead of realizing that God is the one who is in control of it, and who is behind it all, they worshipped creation rather than the creator. And not only did they worship the wind and the sun and the moon, but also all kinds of other created things such as sexuality, love, authority, and intellect. For all these kinds of things, they had corresponding gods. For you see, all idolatry is the worship of created things rather than the creator. Now, we have to realize that God made all these things for the benefit of mankind. For your benefit, for my benefit. God gives the rain and the wind and the snow and the water to mankind for them to use. He puts all that at his disposal. They are there to serve man who is the crown of his creation. But as soon as you turn things around, as soon as you serve that which was supposed to serve you, then you come into all kinds of difficulties that you no longer have God's creation at your disposal, but then creation has you at its disposal. In other words, then you no longer rule it, but then it rules you. During the time of the Old Testament, the heathen people always lived in fear. When it thundered, they believed that the God of thunder was angry with them. And when there was a prolonged drought, they believed that the God of rain was either dead or that he was angry with them. And they were always thinking of ways to appease those gods through all kinds of elaborate rituals and sacrifices. They even sacrificed their children. Can you imagine? These people lived in constant fear. Even today, you will find the same kind of thing in the mission fields of South Africa and Haiti and Indonesia, Papua, and many other countries. They're full of superstitions and fears. You may think that it is a good thing that we live in a civilized society where we no longer have such beliefs, but don't think that that's really the case. Oh sure, we no longer worship the forces of nature in that way. We now have scientific explanations to enlighten us what happens in nature. We're now much more sophisticated. Why is it then that people still turn to horoscopes and to Ouija boards and to fortune tellers? Because that's what happens. As far as I know here in Canada, there's not an apartment building anywhere which has floor 13. They skip from 12 to 14. That's because they are superstitious. About the number 13. And so there are many other things. Man is full of fear and man wants to be able to control things. He worships the one thing and he avoids the other. Today, modern man has more idols than he has ever had before. For man still worships the creature, the creation, the whole. The man still worships the creature, the created thing, rather than the creator. A man's own strength, for example, which is given to him by God, that can also become his God. That was also so already during biblical times. For example, it says in Habakkuk 1, verse 11, Then they sweep past like the wind and go on, guilty men, whose strength is their God. A modern man puts his trust especially in material things and in his own strength and in his his own ability to acquire these things. And so gold and money become his God. That's why the Lord Jesus warns in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot both serve God and money. And so are there other gods beside the only true God? Yes and no. But the God of the scriptures is the only true God. There are really no others beside him. Oh, sure, the Bible speaks about other gods, but then it speaks about the gods that man makes. The Catechism tells us that we must rightly come to know the only true God. For if you truly know him, then you also know that all the forces of nature are there at your service. And that they are controlled by God himself. If you truly know the Lord your God, then you know whatever comes your way in this life ultimately cannot harm you. For a believer, all the answers are found with God. As we saw this morning, the believer knows that he has a faithful God who always keeps his promises, even when things go wrong, even when it appears that the forces of nature go against him. And then, as you know, as Paul says in his letter to the Romans, nothing can separate us from God's love. Now, the Catechism tells us that the First Commandment teaches us to avoid and flee all idolatry, witchcraft, superstition, prayer to the saints or to other creatures. We have just heard what idolatry is all about. It is, as the answer to question 95 says, to have or invent something in which to put our trust instead of, or in addition to, the only true God who has revealed himself in his word. Now what about witchcraft? Surely that's not something we encounter today, is it? That was during the Middle Ages and before. We don't see that any longer. Well, also that kind of idolatry is still around. In the past, three distinctions were made, and that is what as Petrus a reformed theologian of the 17th century did. He said that we must distinguish between good magic, vain magic, and superstitious magic. Those are still valid distinctions. With good magic, he refers to those people who are able to know and to utilize the hidden characteristic of natural things. Some people, for example, are clairvoyant. They are able to see things that others cannot. And if you have such ability, then you have to use that to the glory of God. And then the Lord will also bless that. Vain magic has to do with magicians, those people who use the sleight of hand. They're those people who have mastered the art of being able to fool people with their practiced craft. Those are the magicians, you can see on magician shows and on TV, and who appear to make things appear out of nothing, and who can cut people in half and the like. They're not necessarily evil, but you have to be careful with that kind of thing. And then finally, there's also superstitious magic. And here, futius means the whole evil world of darkness which belongs to the domain of the devil. And that was the case with the witch at Endor. She was an evil witch whom whom Saul sought out because he could not find a favorable answer from God. But now the Lord used that witch to condemn King Saul. God used his superstitions against him. But that witch at Endor had no power. She was not really able to conjure up the dead. She only pretended that she could. And the Lord God very strongly warns against such practices, as he does in Deuteronomy 18, which we read. Don't think that witchcraft is no longer practiced in this day and age. It is, and it goes hand in hand with all kinds of other abominable practices, including the horrible abuse of children and the dismembering of animals. Although the witch hunts of earlier centuries are currently ridiculed, there is now evidence that there was good reason for the eradication of witchcraft and that child abuse has always been part of witchcraft. In many parts of the world, witchcraft is still being practiced. Missionaries have great difficulty in eradicating it. And once they do, those former believers in witchcraft who now turn to the Lord are very glad to be rid of those evil practices. They feel liberated. And they are amazed when they hear about us here in the Western world who go along with all the kinds of things that happen at Halloween. They don't see that as something innocent. In this, they recognize the worship of the devil and his agents. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 10 and 11, we find a warning, let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Divination, as practiced by the heathens, was strictly forbidden. Diviners are those people who will determine for another what course of action to take and what the future will hold. Do you know how they did that? They did that through what is known as ext- extispacy. Extispicy is the practice of examining the entrails of dead animals and to predict the future from that. That is still done today in primitive societies. They also practice what is known as lecanomancy, which consisted of the interpretation of the ripples on the water. And then there is also libanomancy, which entails the interpretation of burning smoke and other methods. All these practices involve a high degree of superstition. The Lord strictly warns us not to have anything to do with these kinds of practices and with those who practice those things. They are the works of the devil. And the same goes for astrologers. Also in the world of today, horoscopes are regular features in newspapers and on radio waves and in other media. People want to be able to get a handle on their future. Well, says the Lord, you don't need that. Trust in me. Do you want to listen to a true prophet, he says? Well, I have raised one up for you, he says in Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. In that passage, we have the prophecy of the coming Christ for who is that prophet he is god's only son he is the word he is the true word the lord says if you want to know what lies ahead for you and then read what it says in my word there you will find what will truly happen to you and what will happen to the rest of the world satan is the father of lies listen what Listen to what the Lord Jesus says about him in John 8, verse 44. He speaks there to the Pharisees and says to them, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Well, witchcraft, idolatry, and the like They are all works of the devil, brothers and sisters. They are all works of the lie. And as Christians, we may only deal with the works of the truth. Christ says, I am the truth. Follow me. We may not put our trust in anything else. We may not put our trust in any man either. The psalmist says in Psalm 146, Verse 3, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. Trust in God. Joshua says to the people in chapter 24, verse 15, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord that last verse that last part of that verse you will find on many plaques in homes it's a good thing to be reminded but as for me and my household we will serve the Lord know what that means that's the only choice we have and that's the choice God wants us to make and so brothers and sisters whom do you want to serve Do you want to serve the forces of nature? You say, I don't do that. Is that really true? Do you want to put your life in the hands of other men? Do you want to serve the so-called almighty dollar? Well, there's nothing almighty about the dollar. Do you want to serve yourself? Think about it. What's the most important thing in your life? Well, says Joshua, you must serve the Lord your God alone. What does that mean? Well, the Catechism says that that means that we have to trust in Him alone, submit to Him with all humility and all patience, expect all good from Him only, and love, fear, and honor Him with all my heart. In short, we have to forsake all creatures and created things that is to say we have to forsake all things that do not have us serve God we may not depend on them and that includes our houses, our cars, our jobs it even includes your own family that's also what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 10 anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We have to forsake all things and trust in God. And so, brothers and sisters, let us be careful how we serve God. Let us be careful that we do not partake of the practices of this world, that we worship God in truth, in accordance with his word. We must not be afraid of the future. We must seek our answers with God. As we also heard this morning, only God has all the answers. No one else does. He is the only God, he is the true God, and he is the almighty God. Worship him alone. Amen.